Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, Father God, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithful, faithfulness this morning. Hallelujah. Lord. Holy Spirit, for your presence here this morning, Lord. We thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord, that's come forth this morning, Lord. And Father God, we just want to take you up on that invitation, Lord, of that open door, Lord. And we just, we just come, Lord. We come, Lord. We come boldly to your throne, Lord. Oh, Lord God, we come right into your throne room, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you meet us right where we are, Lord. And we come, Lord, to bless you and worship you and please you, Lord. And Father God, we thank you that every need is met, Lord, in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Lord. That's right. Every need is met, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're making a way, Lord. You're making a way for us, Lord. Thank and you, we Lord. rejoice, Lord, in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord God, you're so good that you desire us, Lord. That you desire us, that you long for us, Lord. And we confess with our mouths this morning, Lord, that we long for you, Lord. Yes, Lord. We that long we for desire you Lord. you, Lord. We desire you, We Lord. desire you, Lord, and we submit to you, Lord. And we, we say, have your way this morning, Lord. Have your way in our lives, Lord. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Have your way in this church, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise Thank you, you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. What? Do you need something? All right. Bless you for being here. We're so glad you're here today. God is good all the time. That song goes way back for me. It was uh, Pastor Chris's favorite song, and Cindy sang it all the time, and I just loved it, and it's just one of those that is down deep in me. Plus, we can kind of blues it up, and the worship team's probably, they've come to both services, and they may have left, but let me just give a shout-out to Zach's worship team. They're phenomenal, and Amen. Zach is doing a great job. Zach and Bethany have just had their third baby in three years, almost right at it. The first two came almost within the same day, and this one's not far from it. Um, they're going home from the hospital today, so please uh, lift, be lifting them up and pat him on the back when you see him and Bethany, and their new baby's name is Betty Kara. So a lot of bees, Bella, Bessie, and Betty. I mean, they think we think we have it rough with our kids, and they're named very different names. But I, I don't know how they'll get any of those right. But anyway, so glad you're here. And I, I want to just do a little bit of a shout-out of encouragement. Um, we've been doing two services now since the 1st of April, and it kind of snuck up on me. You know, we've been sitting around, and we can see some holes in the in the congregation here. It doesn't feel quite as full. First service is even a little bit less than that. And in my flesh, I've wanted to get a little bit down. I'm not a downer. I'm not, I'm not a down, down person. But uh, my mom went home last week, and my dad had, been, uh, had had eye surgery. And she said, I think there was more people here than at Easter. And dad said that to me, and I said, ah, she's, that's just what moms do. You know, you kind of think it's a little bit bigger than it really was. And, uh, but anyway, um, if you remember, when we went to two services, we had tried to get to averaging 300 per week for a while last sunday we hit three short of 400 amen go ahead 
Amen. You know, I don't want us to be a church. We're not a church about numbers, but I do want you to know God. Writ a, there's a whole book about numbers. And, you know, God is a God of growth. It's the same thing in your life. You need to see growth. We need to see life. Life is a sign of growth. And I just want us to be encouraged. We need these empty spaces to put these extra people in. Had 400 showed up on a one service Sunday, we would have had all kinds of problems. And praise God. God knew right when to send them. Um, you know, I, I, it shocked me. And you know what? It almost disappointed me in myself that I'm not believing for more. That I went home thinking it was just a regular service and we had had such a great number. Now, it was Mother's Day. Everybody goes to church with their mothers. So if everybody could just think next week is Mother's Day, then, you know, maybe people will go to church more than one time a year. Amen? Can you imagine? Amen. Pastor's joke, I guess. Anyway, glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Joy. Say joy. You got joy? God wants us to have joy. Where is your joy? You know, all this morning has been about how great is our God. We sing, you are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy. Worthy of praise. And I will sing to and worship and love and adore. You're my prince of peace. And I will live my life for you. It's all about him. First song, how awesome is the Lord most high. He set me free. It's all about him. But we can sit here and say it until we go blue in the face. But until we believe it and until we start living under it, we are not accessing that power. Pastor Stephen this morning talked about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. We're good at saying that. But are you being provided by the Lord? Are you having a hard time? If you are, I'm telling you, I feel like we're outside of the purpose and plan of God. Struggles are going to come. You're going to see today. Today's a little bit about dealing with your struggles. But the struggles are an opportunity for us. Struggles are going to come. But how are you getting through those struggles? And I believe we we are a nation, we are a church that sings about God but doesn't know God. I believe that we are a church full of Christians that sing about God but doesn't know God. You may say, what does that mean? How can I be a Christian and not know God? Let me tell you, I got saved at five and I did not know God. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost at 17 and I still didn't know God. Are you with me? There's a difference. I did give my heart to him. It's like in marriage. When you first got married, those of you that have been married for more than a year, did you really know your wife? Did you really know your husband? No. You don't know them until you're right there with them all the time, living and breathing every time you turn around. But the problem is with God, as we come to the altar, we truly give our hearts to the Lord and we shut it off. We don't go any farther. Think about how your marriage would be if you stopped at the wedding. It would dry up and it would die. You wonder why the church is drying up and dying. Because we don't know God. God is so big. God is so great. We sing about his provision. We sing about his blood. We sing about healing. And let me tell you, we are having healings happen in this church. We have had some dramatic healings happen this week. One of them happened, and I can't, one of them is a little bit personal, and we haven't figured out how to 
testify about it yet. But it was so dramatic. And it's not just that it was a little thing. This was a big thing that was going to be lifelong. And the doctor said, we've never seen this before. That a test came back positive the first time, negative the second time. And they said, we've never seen it. And all I can say is, glory to God. And you know what? What happened? I talked with the people after church today, and they said, look, somebody's trying to say, well, they missed the test the first time. The, the first test was wrong. I said, we can't accept that. That's saying by coincidence, it just really wasn't there. Nope, a test was given to us with this terrible report. We took it to God. Now the report says clean. Do you see this? We can sit here and twist it to, to, to where there's no God at all. But that is removing the glory that God deserves. And he deserves the glory. We got tested regardless of how the test was. I don't care. We're clean now. Are, are you with me? Everybody's going to try to say, well, this must have happened. Well, tell that to the doctors. They can't figure it out. All I know to do is to give glory to God. Do it again, God. Do it again. And that's not all. We've had other miracles this week. God's desiring to show you how great he is. But you got to get to know him. You got to get to know what he's capable of so you can believe him for the things you're walking through. When we start to see how big God is, we start to forget how big we think our problems are. They become nothing. They dwindle away, which is where they should be. Doesn't mean the problem goes away. It just means we have a clear perspective. I can get through this. I can get over that hill. That hill's nothing. Where has our joy gone? We have lost our joy. We have a fundamental emotional need for joy. I said the last couple weeks that we are more productive. We are better people with joy. A few weeks ago I said that companies, worldly companies, secular companies are hiring joy consultants to come in because it makes them more productive. God's law works whether it's a heathen using it or a Christian using it. God's law will prove to be true regardless of who is using it. Where is our joy? We saw uh, in the last few weeks, Psalm 43 says that God, my God, is my exceeding joy. He says, I am the God of exceeding joy. We are so quick to grab hold of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provision. We're, we're quick to grab of Jehovah Rophi, the Lord my healer. But I want you to know when you wake up in the morning, what you've got inside you is the God of exceeding joy. That's my God. We sit here and sing about how God is good. When you start to sing those words, run through your head how good God is. Your worship will change. Don't just sing the song. Start focusing in on who God is. What am I singing? How great is our God? Well, wait a minute. How great are you to me? And all of a sudden, it starts to take on new meaning. Worship should mean something to you, church. Worship has meaning. So we've been looking at the six foundations for joy. I'm going to go through the last two today. Six foundations for joy. I believe if we'll grab hold of these, we'll see depression start to lift. We'll see joy start to be, be ref, we'll start to be filled with joy. It says in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of a, a shot. 
but fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. Number one, joy builder. Remove all your regrets about your past. If you are saved, if you have confessed your sins and your issues to God, let them go. Quit regretting about them. Quit worrying about them. Quit thinking about them. God's forgotten it. Why are you hanging on to it? Let it go. It will kill you. Number two, omit all worries about my future. We've been talking about this. You can't control the future, right? In no way can we control the future. What can we control? Right now. I can control the decision that I make right now. And if I make the right decision, right, righteous, if I make righteous decisions right now, then my steps are ordered by God. So my future is not in, I can't control it. I can't handle the future. I'm not supposed to handle it. God handles the future. But if I will handle my right now, it will put my future in God's hands. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Worrying will just make you sick. It will make you physically sick. It'll make you spiritually sick. And it'll make those around you sick of you. Let me tell you, one person I don't like to be around is a worrier. Because what happens? I start worrying. And I'm not a worrier. But let me tell you, if I get around people that are worrying, I got to get away. Or I got to tell them, be quiet. Quit talking about that. Let me pray for you and be done with it. It may still be running through your head, but I can't hang out with that. I'm not trying to be ugly. Let's think about something else. Let's redirect. You ever done that with a child? You put something down in the floor. You put the child down in the floor, and they immediately go to the power sockets. And they'll find anything metal that'll go in it. Why do they do that? They just do it. Tell them, no, no, no. Then you think about spanking them. Don't spank them. Put a thing in it and remove the problem. Remove the problem. I'm, I'm, I am a pro spanker, by the way. I'll just say it. I, I believe in it. It says if you don't discipline your children, you hate your children. So uh, I don't want to go down that path today. But um, we need to remove what we're worrying about. Can you affect it? No. You can affect your right now. You can't afford it. You can't affect a decision you've got in four hours. In four hours, it'll be there. God says, don't worry about tomorrow. You got enough to deal with today. Affect your today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If we can get the right now right, the next step's going to be taken care for us. Are you with me? Okay. A lot of review. Next one. Come on. Submit myself to God's purpose. The last week we talked about getting in God's purpose. God has a purpose for your life. We are great at quoting this scripture. All things work for good for those that love him. But that ain't it. And who are called to his holy purpose. You need to be in the purpose and plan of God. I asked you last week to pray this prayer, the most dangerous prayer you could pray. And that is, Use me. I want you to know God is looking for people he can use. And he will use you. You may think, Pastor, I don't want to wind up in China as a missionary. Well, if you're supposed to be in China, that's the best place you could be. 
but for most of you, it won't be there. It'll be serving right here in this church. It'll be serving out here in this community. It'll be just giving yourself to what God wants. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be exactly what you want. God has a way when you give yourself to him, he gives you the desires of your heart. That can mean two different things. It can mean I already know what I desire and God gives that to me. Or it means he gives me his desires into my heart and makes me desire them. That's the best thing. When you start desiring what God has, because God God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can think or ask. So why would I want to be limited to what I can think of? Are you with me? But we must submit ourselves to the purpose and plan of God. Amen. Use me. Use me, Lord. Number three. Uh, number four. Focus. Say focus. We have got to stay focused on God. We have got to stay focused on who he is and what he says about us and what is his plan. There are so many distractions out here that are trying to get us off track as a church, as a husband, as a wife, as a family, as a child. You know, we heard from Pastor Stephen a year or so ago how MTV and that media group, Nickelodeon or whoever it is, starts early trying to point them in the direction Nickelodeon is a is a vessel to get them into MTV. They, you just can't tell it. But they are preparing the children to go down their road. We must stay focused. I believe that if we will take care of us, men, if you will take care of yourself self and start taking care of your decision that you can handle right now. Make, start making righteous decisions. That is, number one, you know God, you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, and you start asking him to move in your life, and you start taking those steps that your family will be saved. Maybe your family's already saved, but your family will be saved from the stuff they're going through. Scripture says that for, for the man who asked how to be saved, they said, you and your household. Scripture tells me that the seed, uh, my seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. That goes for me, and I stand on that. I believe men, if we will start to make the right decision, the dominoes will start to fall for our kids. Our problem is we want to fix our wife, we want to fix our kids, we want to fix our bosses, we want to fix everything but ourselves. Well, that'll preach, won't it? I can tell everybody, what's he going to that? I don't, you know, well, let's talk about my wife, let's talk about my kids, let's not talk about me. Women, I believe if you will take care of you and start making the right decision, you will have a blessed marriage, you will have blessed children, you will be blessed. But it's got to start. You want to know why the family unit's broken apart? It's not because the media. It's because the mom and dad aren't doing their job anymore. Take care of you. Instead, we want to go home and, hey, kids, you should be doing this, but yet we continue to do our own stupid stuff. Get out. Get us right. And allow the power of God to move in your children. God can rescue your kids. God can rescue you from your job, from your marriage. I don't need rescue from my marriage. I need my marriage fixed. God can fix the marriage. God loves marriage and he hates divorce. He is the author of marriage. He is the author of life. It's time we allow God to move. And it's time I start obeying. 
Are you with me? Does the church want to be victorious? If they do, we got to start moving. If we want our children off of drugs, parents, you got to start moving toward God. Start confessing the promises of God over your life, over your children. Amen. Thank you, Mark. I got you. We're together. Okay, focus. I need to stay focused. (sighs) Number five, typical preacher's statement. It has nothing to do with me being the preacher. If I will get my focus off of me and get my focus on to helping somebody else, have you ever noticed that if you start helping somebody else, you start to forget your problems? There is something about applying yourself to somebody else that it fixes your issues. Or it positions you to have your the things you're walking through taken care of. Paul was joyful because he was unselfish. He invested his life into others. If you want to have a continuous joy in your life, here's the secret. Give your life away in helping others. Stop focusing on your puny problems and aches and pains and start focusing on helping others. Become other-centered, not self-centered. The more you give your life away, Jesus says, the more you find it. The more unselfish you become, the more joyful you become. The more self-centered you become, the more miserable you become. Paul's in prison, and even in prison, he is thinking of others. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dear brother, Christians, I love you and long to see you, for you are my joy and my reward for my work. Paul's joy was the people that he had invested in. Paul's joy was the people that he cared about, those that he had led to Christ, those that he had helped grow. He says, you are my joy. Probably the most famous line in Shakespeare in in his plays is the phrase, to be or not to be, from Hamlet. It's Hamlet's famous soliloquy. And Hamlet is talking to himself. The Prince of Denmark is saying, to be or not to be? That's the question. And he is talking about suicide. He was considering taking his life. He's saying, I don't know whether I'm going to take my life or whether I'm going to go on living in pain. Should I live or should I die? To be or not to be. Well, Paul says the same thing in Philippians 3 for the exact opposite reason. Hamlet is saying, I don't know what's worse, living or dying. Which is more painful, for me to go on in pain or for me to die in pain? I don't know which one's worse. But in Philippians 3, Paul says the exact opposite. He says, I don't know which is better, to live or to die, to go to heaven or to stay here and serve people in the name of Christ. Same dilemma, just a different point. And guess which one had the joy? Paul, because he was using his life to help others. Philippians 1, 21 says, For to me, living means opportunities for Christ, and dying, well, that's better yet. But if living will give me more opportunities to win people to Christ, then I really don't know which is better, to live or die. Sometimes I want to live and at other times I don't, for I long to go and be with Christ. How much happier for me than being here. But the fact is that I can be of more help to you by staying. How could death benefit Paul? 
because he knew where he was going. He was a friend of God. He said, either way, I win. On earth, my purpose is to live for God. We've seen that. We've seen that last week. My only purpose is to live for God. Do you remember that scripture last week? But when I die, I get to go and be with God. He had a purpose for living, and he had a purpose for dying. You can't get a man down that has a purpose for living and for dying. That's the secret of joy, a purpose for living and a purpose for dying. Let me ask you, do you have a purpose for living and for dying? If you don't, it's no wonder you've lost your joy. You haven't yielded yourself to God's purpose and you haven't gotten to know his son. You're not ready to live and you're not ready to die. You're miserable. But Paul says, when I use my life to help others, it brings joy in my life. Either way, I win, whether I live or die. Finally, number six. As a foundation for joy, we must learn to be content. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I want you to catch this. Learned. Being content does not come natural. Being content is not easy. It is something you have to work through. It is something you have to learn. It's easy to be content when you're living on easy street. But Paul's life was not easy. It was very difficult. Let's look just a little bit at Paul's life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger of Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled, and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressures of my life, uh, daily pressures of my concern for all the churches. You know, it's easy for us to think how hard it's been for me or for you. I, I would venture to say Paul's life has been harder than my life has been. Yet he still has joy. And it's not some false joy. It's not some, he's not putting on a show to make himself look good. It is truly coming from the bottom of his heart. In the middle of prison, he had no reason to write anything good, but he did. He did have reason to write something good. In the natural, in the flesh, there was no reason to say anything good. He was wrongly imprisoned. He had been beaten. He had been whipped. And he was going to be executed. Yet he writes about joy. He had purpose. And he had learned to be content with where God, hit, God had him right now. It doesn't mean that we say we're not going to push forward. We don't want to excel. We are not looking for greatness in our life. It just means accepting where we are today and allowing God to handle our tomorrow. 
many times we try to handle our future. We try to handle uh, our circumstances. And what do we do? We mess them up. We try to be Jehovah Jireh. I do my own job. I work my own hours. I'm the provider of my family. Well, that's, 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 a, that's your problem. That's where the problem starts, is it's all about you. And look how good I am. Everybody better be nice to me in this house because I put the food on the table. Messed up. God is your provider. The Lord gives and he takes away. Let me tell you, God is a good God. And a good God and a good father sometimes says no. We live in a world today where kids, people are te- teach kids, teach people, people that teach. There are, pe- <laughs> there are people in this world that te- teach teachers and new parents not to say no, that it's negative on the child. Wrong. When my kid's about to step in the street, I'm going to yell from the top of my lungs, no! And I hope I scare the, you know what, out of them. Fear, wake up! You're about to get hurt. Now come back here. You hurt my little feelings. Well, I'm sorry, it's about to hurt a lot more than that. Your feelings will heal. I love you. Get over here and let me hug you. No, you're not going to play in the street. You're not going to stick something in the light socket. You're not going to stick your hands on the burner. We had a child that just kept saying, Mommy, can I touch that? Can I touch that? Can I touch that? And finally, she was standing right there with him. She said, okay. Well, somehow, oh, a babysitter. And the babysitter didn't see her coming, and she went and touched it. Best thing could have ever happened to her. It didn't burn her terribly, but it did burn her. You know what? Praise God, she wasn't hurt. But what it did was it reinforced mama. You know what? That hurt, but wait a minute. Mama's looking out for me. I'm glad my mommy said no to me and that I didn't really get hurt. We don't even see the hand of God sometimes in what he's protecting us from. We don't even see it. We don't even see it. I I wonder how many times the, the Lord's had to heal me that I haven't even known I was sick. We can go down a road of just let's blow our minds for just a minute. But God's sovereign and he knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. I wonder how many times I've been in my car and he's taken me a different route or had me drive a different speed or had me do something different so I didn't wind up in a certain situation. That's the God that I serve that is handling everything that I'm doing. He's got it in his hands and he can handle it. And I want him to handle it. God is so big and I so need him. And I need to be content with where I am. Not always wanting something else that's unhealthy. Not always wanting what somebody else has. Have you ever had something you wanted and you couldn't get it and you manipulated your way to figure out a way to get it? Whether you abused a parent or a spouse or you finagled something and you put it on your credit card and hid the bill or whatever. There's a thousand ways to get what you want. The wrong way. Uh, I'm meddling now. I can already, I can feel it. It's heavy in here. We try to get in control. And I'm telling you, it will catch up with you. It'll get you. But he says, I have learned to be content. The bottom line here today, 
is joy is a decision. Joy is a decision. You are as joyful as you choose to be. If you're discouraged today, it's because you are choosing to be discouraged. You know, if somebody at work tomorrow says something rude to you, says something about the way you're dressed or about the way you look or about the way you do your job or, you know, I've, I've often said, you know, you're really not going to really offend me unless you tell me I got ugly kids. You tell me I got ugly kids, I'm probably going to get nasty with you. Everything else I can deal with. Don't, don't, don't talk about my kids. It's probably a weak spot of mine. So don't come to me and say, man, you got the ugliest kids I've ever seen. Don't do that. Okay. But anyway, but if you come up here and you say something for real ugly to me, I can choose to get mad at you or not. It's my decision to get mad at you. If I get mad at you, it's no longer your fault. It's my fault. And if I get up in the morning and I don't deal with my day, if I don't step the first step saying, Lord God, today is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You are the God of my, you are the, the God of exceeding joy. And I choose today for the today to be a day of joy. You know, if you don't do that, something will hit you between the eyes and take your joy away before you can even get out of the house. How many of us know we can have good rip-roaring fights with our spouse before we even leave? And we're not, we've not even been awake 30 minutes. And our day's set. You're mad and fuming and steam's coming out of your ears and Nobody wants to be in the car with you because of what you're saying. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it probably happened this morning. I probably got a few in here going, yeah, getting to church, yeah. You can choose. Let's get in the real. I'm trying to hit, I'm trying to get you where you are today. When you get up in the morning, make the decision. It doesn't mean problems aren't going to come. Did you know the, the problems that come to you are for your benefit? Explain that, Pastor. Testing produces patience, produces character, produces hope. Testing is God's way of seeing, are you ready for the next step? And you know what? God won't test you with more than you can handle. God's such a good God. He's not like, and, and I know I've got a few teachers in here, and I'm, I don't want to be offensive. But God won't let you go to the next grade if you don't pass. Because you can't handle it. God will make you redo it. Paul, you weren't quite ready for that. Let's try that again. Anybody here ever been tested by God? Anybody here ever failed and got retested? I've, I've, I've been through them many, many times. But God's so good. He won't test me with what I can't handle. He won't take me as a first grader and make me take a 12th grade test. He'll make me take a test that I can pass so that I can move on to the next step. These trials that you've got, you are facing them like, Oh, my goodness gracious, why me, God? Why do I have to go through this again? Doggone it. It's always me, and they're not having to go through this. It's just me. Instead, God's saying, wait a minute, I'm giving you an opportunity right here. This is an opportunity for you. I'm trying to bless you. Through this trial that you're about to go through, it is for your blessing. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to build your character. And you're going to believe you can get over the next hump that I got coming for you because it's a doozy. And I need you for this next test, but you got to get through this one. You know, we got tested. This, a family got tested the other day on this, on this uh, uh, health issue. 
And praise God, we didn't go any, anywhere else. They came up here, we laid hands on, and I take no credit. The only credit I take is that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and that Holy Ghost power dealt with the situation. Not me. But you know what? I don't want to sit here and say God doesn't work through me. He does. I don't want to say God doesn't work through you because I've seen him work through you. But we needed that test. That, thro- that thing in Elizabeth's throat has only made us stronger. It's only prepared us for what you're about to walk through. We need the test so that we can get on to the next thing. I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. And y'all are second service. Y'all have had your coffee. Y'all are all ready to go. It's time to, to trust God. It's time to trust God. It's time to allow him to take these things that we've been walking around with and leave them up here at the altar. Leave them at the cross. Total provision has been made at the cross. Don't go numb to our cross here. It is to remind you of how good God is and that we have hope. We get caught up in these when and then thinking, when this happens in my life, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. (laughs) Try that. Try marriage without God. It is a recipe for disaster. But we think if I'll just get this job, if this thing will just fall into place, if I can just get this promotion, then I'll be happy. You won't. Why? Because joy is a decision. We see Scripture so many times that command us. It's a command that Paul has said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That is a command. We have. It says, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I have to tell myself to do that. It's a decision. I'm going to bless the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Not, God, this is the day the Lord has made. Please give me the joy to rejoice in it. Nope. I will, which is what? I make the decision to rejoice. Will you make that decision today? Will you get up in the morning and say, enough's enough. I'm going to have joy today. Doesn't mean problems aren't going to come, but I'm going to respond to them with God, and I'm going to get through them. And we're getting over this mountain today. Amen. Because joy is a choice. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for this church body. And, Lord, I believe that we are trying our best to pursue you with everything that we have. Lord, I know that I am trying my best to give you all that I have, Lord, and I know that I fall short so many times. But, Lord, I thank you that you are my joy. And the joy of the Lord is to be my strength. Lord, I ask you to help us to make the right decisions when we wake up in the morning. Lord, that we would turn to you on the first breath that we take in the morning when we wake up. Lord, that we would turn to you. And Lord, that you would direct our path. Lord, I just ask for a release of joy over this church. That you would just bless us with your joy. Your word says that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Lord, I desire the presence of the Lord more than anything else in my life. I desire your presence. 
And Lord, I thank you that we don't have to die to be in the presence of the Lord. We can be in the presence of the Lord here. And Lord, I desire fullness of joy. Lord, for those that are here that have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, would you do that today? All you need to do, even even from your seat, is just say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. And I am in need of a Savior. Save me, Jesus. It says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you do that today? Would those that are ministering come forward, please? Would everybody stand? I just want to give you the opportunity right now that if you have a healing need, if, you're, if your body is, is, has been aching in any way, if you have a, any type of cancer or back pain or arthritis or headaches or migraines or asthma, and if I'm leaving yours out, don't, don't miss a blessing here. For the, Lord, the power of the Lord is here to heal. God's healing power is here. And I want you to know he is ready and willing to heal you. If you have a family member that needs healing, if you have a marriage that needs healing, if you have relationships or children or whatever you may have, come to the Lord and let's believe him for healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Thank you.